Hello to all the educated hustle fans out there. This is your host, Paul Latibadere Jr. with my co-host, Emilio Porter. Emilio, I'm going to just jump right into it today, man. And I just wanted to ask you a question. What's, what's, what's your opinion about the whole old adage, mind over matter? Man, I, I like how I feel like I got stiffed on with that introduction. <laughs> what you mean? You really are. I'm about to jump right in. <laughs> We're gonna we'll talk about that later. Uh, mind over matter is definitely definitely. I believe in it fully, hundred percent. I think if you commit yourself to having a, a belief in something, you can really affect just how far it'll go. And uh, a particular story that I always harken back to is there was a, a a young kid. He was diagnosed with cancer. I think he was about six or five years old. And his parents. And people that visit him, they would they would sit in the room with him when he when he you know was going through the chemo, and he would be lying there. And when he's lying there, he's like making weird sounds, like a and people would like were like they would ask him, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" And you know he would tell them, "Well, I'm imagining my cancer cells are like the little dots in Pac-Man, and what I'm visioning is Pac-Man just eating away." my cancer cells and it's something you know if a kid tell you that you just you kind of think oh you know that you know weird or that's unusual but it actually helped him he was actually um able to get a remission off just that that technique and i mean it's one of those crazy things where you you sit in there thinking does that really work but mind doesn't matter you know if you envision yourself and you tell yourself that you are going to get better you know the body produces things that if you have that mindset or you feel you're actually getting better, it'll, it'll, it'll start working itself to, to, to be better. Now, no, necessarily, that's not going to be like it's going to cure everything or it's a miracle. That's what everyone needs to do. But it's just one of those things where it can't hurt you, can't, can't, can't harm you. So, if you, yeah, if you believe something, go for it and believe and see yourself doing it. Because if you keep seeing yourself doing it, you keep envisioning it, you'll be there. It works. <laughs> that's powerful, bro. I mean, like little little kids, I think, have the best chance of using a technique like that because they're so naive to all the world's ills and evils that Mm. their mind hasn't been poisoned yet to think negatively if that makes any sense like that kid is probably like one of the happiest kids he's like what's cancer like oh cancer is you know is a disease that i'm infected with but he takes it he twists it into something that is so psychologically simple that He's like, oh, it's like a game. Like I can just beat cancer by using my Pac-Man skills and defeating mm-hmm. each little cancer cell one step at a time. So that's really powerful. Like I feel like anybody could do that. It's just overcoming the hurdles that you've already experienced in your past and really trying to seek out new ways to think positively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So man, yeah, that's powerful. I appreciate you for sharing that and um. That's something that's a little tidbit that we kind of wanted to introduce our guest today, uh, Mr. Daryl Evans. Uh, he works for or he actually co-founded a company called Yoko Local, which is a digital marketing company that helps people and their small to medium sized businesses gain a larger reach on social media and the digital platforms today. And he talks a lot about his business and he also talks a lot about the mental hurdles that entrepreneurs need to get over so that they can be successful in what they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. And it's really, it just, I mean, we, we take it 
just everything when we, when we heard him talk because we kind of went through those hurdles. And, you know, on this surface, you hearing it, podcast sounds great, but behind the scenes, there's just so much that goes into it, so much in the editing process, so much in the promoting process, so much in are we going to get guests that are actually good? Are we going to get guests that actually make people want to listen? Like, there's so much stuff that goes on that, you know, you guys don't have access to, which, you know, we, we're glad because we don't want to see you. We don't want you guys to see us like that. But mm-hmm. there's just so many things where it, it really is a grind and it really is a lot of just mind over matter as we started to show off with. Yeah, definitely. And what's encouraging is like during the week, you know, Amelia and I will send text messages to each other like, yo, we got, you know, this many listens in, in this day. And mm-hmm. it's crazy because this is something straight from scratch. We had no following before. And now we're averaging like what? What would you say? Like 60, 70 listens a week. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We just started. Not even nah, yeah. not even six, seven a week. Like maybe like a maybe a hundred a week. Yeah, like all the different platforms added up. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Over a hundred a week. And what we started what, like a month ago, pretty much? Yeah, barely yeah, like a couple of days over a month. So yeah. Couple of days. It's crazy. Like it's crazy how quickly people have been consuming the educated hustle podcast, but at the same time, we know that we good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so yes. it's like, we know we're good. We just waiting for y'all to get on the train. Like best kept secret, basically. <laughs> that's what it really is. Best kept secret. Exactly. And the hardest part is just getting the secret out there. And I, I think that's yeah. what, what Daryl is going to talk about today is how to take your brand to the next level using some online marketing strategies, which you probably haven't really thought about before. Mm-hmm. That's right. He he gives out a good layout and detail, but even even beyond that, and if you're not even a marketing person or an online person, like that he really really talks into two, believing in yourself, mind over matter, and making your passion your your mission. I mean, you know, all of our guests kind of highlight that passion your mission. But what he's saying, and this is from an older perspective, he's one of our older guests. He's letting you know the blueprint of hey, I was young once, I didn't believe in myself then. Had to wait a little bit to believe in myself. And now if I could go all the way, i do it to where my young self could be just as good as I was older. So, I mean, <laughs> the book writes itself. You got you to gotta believe in yourself. You got to go out there and take the chance. Yeah, man. And it's amazing. One of his quotes, which, you know, was really powerful, is that he said he wished that he would believe in himself sooner, which mm-hmm. is a message that a lot of people need to take in now because now is the time to make your your future happen. Mm-hmm. I'm just excited for the people to hear what Mr. Evans has to say. Yeah, and I'm excited for them as well. But I think we should just, you know, go ahead and give them the platform. So without further ado, Mr. Daryl Evans. All right, and we're joined today with the co-founder of Yokel Local. Uh, it's a digital marketing uh, digital marketing company. We have Mr. Daryl Evans with us. How you doing today, Daryl? I'm doing fantastic, guys. Thanks for having me on your show. I appreciate it. No problem, man. We appreciate you spending the time with us today. Um, we kind of just wanted to jump into the interview. And uh, the first question is, just tell us a little bit about your, your company and how long you've been doing the entrepreneur thing. Yeah, sure. So uh, Yoko Local was started back in uh, 2011. Uh, my partner and I, uh, Stormy Andrews, we met in 2008. 
both of us were in a different industry at the time, but both of us led marketing and sales uh, in, in different industries. And we'd met and uh, came together, uh, even though I had been doing digital marketing for that industry for about the prior four or five years. But uh, him and I got the company started in 2011, and really we had one sole purpose, and that was to work with local business owners, help them with this digital transition away from the old traditional advertising mediums that had been out there. So I had this uh, idea of start, starting to sell sportswear. So I started uh, looking for some wholesalers. I was a big sports fan and started uh, buying some wholesale uh, T-shirts, hats, and all kinds of sports gear and just started uh, going out to the swap meet, setting up shop on the weekends. And that was sort of my first venture into entrepreneurship. So I really enjoyed that process. And once I had a little bit of taste of that, uh, I pretty much didn't look back. And I started a few other things along the way. But we'll probably talk a little bit more about that as we go. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a very, very diverse beginning. That's a humbling origin story, if I do say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely just kind of want to ask on your LinkedIn profile, it says you've dabbled in mortgage, but now you're like in full blown digital online marketing. How does that, how was your dot process that really kind of helped inspire that change? Yeah, actually, I was full time in the mortgage industry for about 12 years. So mm-hmm. I, I'll back up to college just to kind of give you some, some context. So I got a degree in finance and initially uh, I'm even go back a little further because when I, uh, the transition I made outside of, outside of the sportswear business was I did get into the real estate industry while I was in college. I really got fascinated by the real estate industry, which is what made me hang up the sportswear stuff. And as I came out of college, I, I believed I wanted to go into the commercial real estate business. And uh, I sort of didn't do that and went into the world of financial services. Well, a couple of years in, I realized the real estate world was still calling my name. So I transitioned into the real estate or the mortgage side of the industry. And uh, as a sales producer, got into the world of sales as an independent contractor and grew my business really fast and became a trainer, a sales trainer and all that. I ended up opening and starting a, a, a mortgage company. And what, what, what's behind the scenes that doesn't show up on the LinkedIn profile is how I grew uh, both businesses, both the financial service business and the mortgage business. And that was the marketing aspect of what we did. So I was a direct response marketer. And uh, for, for if your audience is familiar, if they're not familiar, let me just give a quick back, uh, breakdown. Direct response marketing is what I call metric driven marketing, whereby everything that we do in marketing has an end result or an end goal. A lot of times when we look at television, radio, and newspapers, there we get we grade the advertisement based on the number of impressions or the and back in the day with newspapers, it was the readership. So if the newspaper in my market said, well, three hundred thousand people get the Sunday newspaper, well that's all I could guarantee was that three hundred thousand people would get the newspaper. Well when I do direct response marketing and, and really how this ties so directly into the internet is we're metric driven. So not only are we looking at how many pieces of mail did we send out back then, but how many people responded? And of the people that responded, how many were qualified? And of the people that were qualified, how many did we get to an appointment? And of the ones we got to an appointment, how many did we sell? And then if we didn't sell them right then, what was our follow-up process to get that long-term sale uh, converted down the line? And for me, it was just a lock. The minute the internet started taking off for me around 2003, 2004, and I became aware that buying patterns were shifting, and even more so in 2004 and five. It was so easy for me to transition into the mindset of marketing my mortgage company online. So how did I get to the digital marketing agency is the fact that in 2008, our mortgage company was forced to shut down in the midst of the real estate collapse. Essentially, we lost every credit line that we had, not because we were doing bad loans or fraudulent loans, but because banks literally just started shutting off mortgage brokerage companies uh, based on the risk that they were uh, 
having in their portfolio. So my business partner and I, we, we, we had to shut the company down around uh, May, June of 2008. And I ended up going back into a sales production role and just began to really look at my life at that point. I was making great money, but I wasn't sure I enjoyed my lifestyle. And, and what I mean by that is and from a world of entrepreneurship, I, I found that even though I was making good money, I was still tied too much to the business. And I wasn't really seeing that if I stuck in the business the next 10 or 15 years, was I going to have and afford, be afforded the lifestyle, the freedom, the things that you think about when you run a business. And, and so at that point, I uh, spent a year, year and a half contemplating what my what my uh, true passions were and, and what had gotten me to the point of, of success at that point. And I realized that it wasn't the mortgage industry that made me successful. It was what I did along the path. And so I love dealing with uh, marketing and sales and which had been my core uh, ammunition, if you will. And so I looked for opportunities to start sharing some of the things I was doing. People were coming to me. I started consulting in 2009. And so that's sort of what led to the transition into starting the digital marketing agency with my partner Stormy in 2011. Nice. And it seems like it's been a, a good partnership ever since, right? Yeah. I mean, we've, we've had a good partnership. I mean, business is not easy. I mean, it's a hard business. It's a hard thing to do, especially when you start a business that doesn't necessarily have a roadmap. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people will open a franchise and there's at least a blueprint. Um, in the mortgage industry, there was a blueprint. In the real estate industry, there was a blueprint. When I was in financial services, there was a blueprint, meaning if you follow these sort of steps and just be disciplined, uh, follow the the hard work and follow this step by step by step. You're going to get there if you if you're there long enough, right? If you just don't quit. And in the mortgage or the marketing world that we live in today, this thing evolves as you guys probably know so fast. Um, mm -hmm. You know, just think a few years ago, we would never be sitting here doing what this thing called a podcast, right? <laughs> I mean, sure. um, <laughs> which in a sense is a marketing medium. So the digital marketing space is very complicated, um, complex, and I think today the consumer can literally choose where they want to participate and share their time. Um, and I think the difference between old school marketing where, you know, television is, it, it was the place where people gathered for their social time, right? They, they gathered to watch TV and movies and things around the television. Today, if you see a family sitting around the television, I guarantee most of them have a laptop or uh, iPhone or an iPad in front of them and they're part watching TV <laughs> and they're part, yeah. you know, doing something yeah. else. So, so marketing has just changed. So we have a great uh, both friendship and partnership. Uh, we see eye to eye on a lot of levels uh, from a leadership standpoint. Um, and uh, we've had a good business model up to this point and, and we're really excited though. We really feel like we're just getting started. Ooh, nice. I think you guys are off, off that explanation. It's kind of crazy because you, you were highlighting how just how the market has changed throughout the years. And I kind of want to get dive back into that because you were telling us just, you know, how you got your start in the online marketing. So what advice would you kind of have to give young marketers who are trying to jumpstart their career? I think young marketers, the, the number one thing I think young marketers today would not have the benefit of some of the things I had back then. And here's what I what I mean by that. I think young marketers have the access to the tools today at abundance, right? There's not a shortage of SaaS tools, social tools, and there's certainly, a, a, you know, a wide variety of marketing channels. I think the number one thing a young marketer can do is really understand how to target an audience, how to learn what matters to their end customer base or the customer they're trying to target. Uh, one of the things I was very fortunate to have an opportunity to do in the 90s, which, you know, in my college days when I was learning how to do, when I was learning how to sell, 
was I was always selling something that took a long time for it to happen. You know, no one woke up overnight and decided to buy a house. No one woke up overnight, and decided to get a mortgage. No one woke up overnight and decided to start saving money for their kids' college education costs. What I think I see a lot today is that we can open up a Twitter account, a Facebook account, an Instagram account, and instantly we can put our brand online as a marketer. And yet we don't have context with maybe who the end customer is. So I think the the advice would be is sit back and really understand who you're trying to reach and be really clear about not only who they are in terms of their age, male or female, what their income levels are. Those are demographics. Those are easily accessible. But we always talk about the psychographics of our customer, or in our case, our client's customer. And what we can find out when we're sitting down with clients today is we we spend more time finding out that, well, you think you sell to this person, but when we look at their past customer database, we'll find out that the psychographic of their customer was something they hadn't even thought about. So I think young marketers could learn uh, to do, you know, a lot of phrases out there, build better customer avatars, uh, buyer profiles, buyer personas, whatever you may call it, but spend a lot of time there and then only market to those folks. And that's scary for a lot of people. It's scary for the clients we work with. It's scary because we're used to saying, well, if I can cast a wide enough net, which is what I think is the old school way of marketing, right? If I advertise on a television show, the television station can tell me, well, the, the, the viewership on this show is X amount of thousands or hundreds of thousands. And that was the way we thought about it back in the day. But if, I, if I'm working with a young marketer today, and we're talking about Facebook, I want you to be so narrowly specific about who will resonate with your product or your service so that we, and then further, we can go and find out where they are in the buying cycle. So I think the work that could be done that I think a lot of young marketers miss is they're just so they're just uh, <laughs> spraying and praying is the phrase I use. They just spray messages everywhere and they're just using what I call the hope strategy. And it, it, it's just it's terrible to watch. So that would be my advice is to really understand who your buyer is, where they're hanging out and not just who they are demographically but who they are psychographically, what matters to them, what's keeping them up at night, and only speak to that person. And if you can do that, you're, I think young marketers will start seeing a lot more success sooner. Ooh, yeah, that's, that was solid information. That's interesting because, I mean, that's kind of, you know, in the marketing industry in a digital time, it's, it's hard to really figure out who or where your customer is because there's so much, you know, noise on the internet right. that, it gets really distracting. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I agree with that. And here's what I think are, because remember back in the day, I used things that were offline to figure out what my client was thinking about. And I used a lot of one-on-one communication. And I think today that's one thing young marketers don't have the advantage of. I mean, we have this thing called the internet, which is fantastic. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, all the good stuff that's available that's afforded us the luxury to live and this time that we do, which is fantastic. But here's the way we can kind of get into the psychographics. I'm going to give you two or three of the top tips I tell people all the time that you can figure out where your customer is and what they're thinking and what they're saying. So I'm going to start first with a local business because we use, you know, we work with local business quite quite often. Let's just say hypothetically, I'm working with a local plumbing company and the local plumbing company hasn't built much of an online presence and they're coming to us and we were trying to figure out who they want to market to. Well, we what we can do easily is go to a platform like Yelp or a platform like Google, Google My Business, Google Places, Google Maps, whatever you want to call it, 
And what we can do is we can spend a day or two reviewing all of the reviews from the top rated companies in town. And we can look at both the positive comments and the negative comments. Because if we're going to help this local plumber that has no visibility and no brand awareness, if we're going to help them sort of differentiate in a commoditized world, we should be using the words and phrases and appealing our messaging to the things that matter to the other customers who've already worked with your competitor. So that's one example. Another example I like to use online, which I think uh, if you're working in the area of uh, coaching business development, or if you're selling something that could be a book or a magazine, what I'd like to say is, uh, let me use Entrepreneur Magazine. You guys are entrepreneurs, and I'm sure you want to reach entrepreneurs. What I, I think about and I'm making an assumption here of who you want to reach, but assume you want to reach entrepreneurs and let's say you want to reach the millennial entrepreneur. There's a lot of magazines online today that, and online brands like Entrepreneur Inc. Magazine, Huffington Post, uh, you know, Forbes, Harvard Business Review. But your audience may not be reading all of those or following all of those brands, right? So in my mind, in my research, I believe Huffington Post is probably the place where your audience is most connected to. What you can do is you can go to Huffington Post's website and you can act as if you're going to be an advertiser for Huffington Post. And in most cases, they're going to have this easily available. They're going to have something called a media kit on their website, usually at the footer where they're inviting you to advertise. And what they're doing is telling you all of the demographics and, and even some of the psychographics of who their audience is, both online and offline. Now, Huffington Post, I don't think does anything offline, but Inc. Magazine, Entrepreneur, and some of those others do. So that's another really easy way to start learning a little bit about what that audience cares about. And it allows you to craft your messaging, put your content together, whether it's podcasts, videos, blog content, and it allows you to sort of get a leg up, even if you're brand new to a business. And the third one I like to always use is my favorite. I think it's one of my favorites, and that's Amazon. Right. So if you're selling anything that could be possibly available on Amazon or your buyer has a product or service that they're buying that, you know, would fit your audience, you could easily go do the same type of review research on a, on a site like Amazon, which is you know one of the top. It's the top e-commerce platform on the planet. So if I'm looking for uh, if I'm wanting to market to you know brand new business owners, well, I can go and start looking at the reviews for some of the maybe the for dummies books that Amazon sells for like starting a business for dummies or something like that. Really highly rated books that uh, potentially your ideal customer may be buying. And again, spending two or three days not just reading those reviews, but writing down the key points, looking for common threads and common um, words that they're using. That's going to help give you a real understanding because a lot of times I think business owners and marketers, they want to pitch their message about their product or service and the customer is not connected to it because we haven't thought enough about what's important to them. So this is sort of a reverse process of marketing that we teach and what we do. And when we do that, we'll spend two or three weeks just trying to figure out who the customer is and really understand what they're talking about, what they care about, what they want, what they've been burned by, what they're frustrated with, and all of those emotions. Because at the end of the day, marketing is about communicating and connecting with a message that leads your prospect to solving a problem that they already had. And that's what I think a lot of people do. Selling is, you know, I'm on a, I do this all the time when I say about selling. I don't think I've ever sold anybody anything. What I've done is presented solutions to a problem they had at the time that it made sense for them to solve it. And if it made sense, it was affordable for them, then they took action. I just 
did the right thing as a salesperson and asked them to take action once I realized it was a good fit. So that's kind of my thought process on three ways to really look at the psychographics of a market. You're going to write a book soon, man? Because that was that was, <laughs> oh, yeah. that was interesting. Like I, that was a, <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I, uh, book, I don't know about a book anytime soon, but I probably should be podcasting sometime. sometime. Oh, man. <laughs> I, that was a I big bowl of keys right there. Yeah, it's gems man. on gems. Like, wow. I feel like I, I should have just studied under the Daryl Evans School of Marketing <laughs> going to college. Man, I, I appreciate that. It's a lot of experience, man. Just a lot of testing. Uh, I'm a junkie when it comes to testing. I don't, I don't, I'm not a theorist. I do things. I do a lot of work. Um, I follow, I follow the principle that, you know, uh, theory is good in the classroom. And I learned a long time ago that, you know, put some stuff in action. And the worst thing that's going to happen is you get a result. And when you get a result, you can actually, uh, let me give you about my actual 21 years old, 22. I, I was able to get connected with Tony Robbins at a seminar and, uh, he taught a formula that I've never forgotten. And he, he calls it, can I? C-A-N-I, a process of constant and never-ending improvement. Uh, later in college, I ended up studying Kaizen, which is a philosophy out of Japan that the Toyota Motor Company has uh, always built its cars by and built and ran its company by. So this, this uh, idea of Kaizen is this constant improvement, continual improvement process. And I just bought into it in my early 20s. And I realized that if I was going to be successful in anything, that it wasn't always going to work out in the beginning. I wouldn't always know exactly what to do, but if I was willing to decide what I wanted to do, set up a plan, take some action, step back from the action and decide, did it go my way or not go my way? Then from there, decide, well, if it didn't go my way, what went wrong and start asking myself some questions instead of beating myself up. And I, I, I developed a set of questions when I do, um, I, I'd like to think about marketing a lot of times like science. Like you got to have a hypothesis. You've got to then decide what you're going to do. You're going to get some results and step back and think, why is that? And I think the question, why is that? When you look at a result, it starts opening up your subconscious mind to start point you in the right direction, point you into the right person, point you to a, a different resource. And it's an iterative process, whether it's sales or marketing. And I think that's one of the things that's helped me be good across a lot of different spectrums in terms of business, as well as when I'm working with clients. It's just that process of why is that? Why did that happen? Why isn't that working the way I thought it would work? Because again, I had a hypothesis. So if it didn't work, then I could start really peeling down the onion and figuring out, okay, what possibly could I test differently? Uh, like one of my biggest things is headline writing. I, I love writing headlines uh, for ads and for social, and I can split test a lot of stuff. And it's very interesting, even when something works, I don't, I don't celebrate and pat myself on the back like, man, we crushed it and we got a X percentage click-through rate or X percentage open rate if it's an email. I say, why was that? You know, so, so I don't get caught up in the glory of it. It's like uh, I'm a big football fan. So when NFL players score touchdowns and they've never scored one before, they want to do all this extra dancing and stuff. And I think it's fun and cool. But then the pros, the Jerry Rices of the day, the, the guys who are going to make the Hall of Fame, they've been there before. So it ain't no big deal. You know what I'm saying? Right, they, they've right. just been there before. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not a big deal. So when I, when I win in marketing or we went on a, a headline or we went on an ad or a campaign, I, I don't celebrate as much as, you know, one would think I'd sit back and say, man, that's cool. Now, why was that? Cause I'd like to duplicate that with other clients and what have you. So, yeah, you got to act like you've been there, right? Right. <laughs> right. I mean, I, you know, I'm happy when things work. I mean, uh, I gave some advice to someone yesterday and I got a 24 hour call back and they said it worked. I'm like, well, I knew it was going to work. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, man. No, 
Well, I mean, I appreciate the flashiness, even if you have been there before. But <laughs> I want to take it back, just get out the, the marketing realm for a little bit, and actually jump on the subject you were talking about. Uh, it's, it's funny that you are a big football fan because I saw on your LinkedIn that you actually coach youth football. So, I mean, yeah. kind of want to ask, like, could you describe that experience and what have you learned from it? Man, I'll tell you, it was one of the highlights of my life. No, you know, no questions asked, one of the highlights of my life. So I played ball growing up. My dad played uh, football. We were a sports family. We all played football. My, my sister obviously didn't play football. She played softball, but we were a sports family. Um, went to college, but I didn't play football in college. I just wasn't built to, to go to the next level. Uh, I had a passion to go to the next level, but my body wasn't, I was a linebacker. I'm five, eight. And today I weigh a buck 85. Even today I wouldn't make it as, <laughs> as a linebacker, <laughs> you know, anywhere. So, um, so I realized pro wasn't my thing, but, um, after I got my career established, uh, in the early two thousands, I had an opportunity, me and my, we, me and my best friend, uh, he asked me to come out and coach with him 2003 or four. And, uh, we got started. I was a defensive coordinator. He was the head coach. We coached seven or eight years in a row. Uh, we made it only to one championship game, but we had a winning season, I think seven of the eight years or six of the seven years. And I think the, the thing that was so awesome for me was just, I love the development of kids. I love seeing kids that not just play the sport, but I, I think sports helped me become an entrepreneur and sports also gave me the discipline to understand teamwork. It helped me understand um, authority that was not my parents. It helped me understand hard work. It helped me understand failure because I was as a young kid, I was on a number of teams that didn't win too many games. Uh, you know, I, it taught me how to lose and how to come back. Um, and so sports was that for me. And so I love seeing these young kids. We first started coaching kids around six, seven, uh, eight years old. And then we coached three or four teams in a row and stayed with those same guys up until they got to the 11, 12 grade, uh, 12 year old range. Uh, oddly enough, uh, several of those kids have just graduated from high school. I got it. And what was probably one of the most gratifying things was being invited to some of their graduation parties and some of their college football signings. Um, nice. it, it was so Ooh. cool to let, to see parents trust us with their kids to develop them as athletes and, and really as young men. Um, so it was a, it was the time of my life, man. I, 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 I don't do it now. I, you know, I, I hung up the coaching hat about in 2012 or 2011, I think was my last year coaching uh, football. I also coached basketball along the way um, for about five or six years as well. But uh, my heart was in football all the time. But I just love being around young, young kids and uh, watching them develop and watching them when the light bulb goes on. Like <laughs> when yeah. you see a kid who, whose parents put them in the, in the sport because she didn't want them sitting on Xbox uh, or whatever, you know, and they come out there and they glossy eyed and don't have a clue how to strap up their chin strap. And then three or four years later, they're knocking kids heads off, making tackles and, and all this stuff. It was just something that was really cool to watch them develop and, and, and bring kids together on a team. So it was a, it was one of the best times of my life. That's yeah, that's awesome because, uh, that's a big passion for me as well. Like, uh, as a budding entrepreneur as myself, uh, one, one day I want to kind of open up a recreation uh, business where, you know, kids can come play basketball, play football, because that, that, that too is where I learned a lot of my lessons oh, kind of yeah. growing up. So, you know, yeah. that, that makes me, you know, happy to hear that you, you know, you actually kind of spread that wealth of knowledge to young children. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not in the sports world now, but uh, I, I want to start an entrepreneurial youth foundation as time goes on. I mean, we give a lot back to our community right now at UNLV and doing some other things, but I, I've got this idea. I don't know how to put it together yet, but I want to see more young entrepreneurs coming out of the gate 
uh, not to deter them from going to college because I believe college is important, but I want to get people comfortable taking their creative juices and I, what I call that gut feeling. Um, because one, one of the things about me being an entrepreneur was I didn't get a lot of support as an entrepreneur from my family. It wasn't because they didn't want to see me succeed, but they just under, they didn't understand. They just didn't understand anything but the nine to five. They didn't understand anything but go to college, get a good, you know, get your grades and find a job with good benefits. And I've had none of that my entire life. Like literally, <laughs> you know, I've had some jobs along the way, but I, it never fit. It never felt well. And I think a lot of uh, young people need to be comfortable with that feeling that they don't fit into the traditional system and to be allowed the opportunity to explore those creative juices. So, uh, you know, like I said, I'm not sure where it's going to end up and where, when it's going to open up, but uh, something I'm really passionate about. And I've shared it with a couple other entrepreneur friends here in town, in, in my city here. And we're, uh, you know, we'll, we'll develop it. And uh, but it's something that I'm really uh, want to I want to shift that to the to the young folks in that arena. Oh, man, if you ever get that off, please let us know. We would love to be a part of that. <laughs> okay. Anything we I'll, could do. Cool. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And it's crazy because I think uh, what deters a lot of young entrepreneurs, even kind of myself, uh, you know, I got a bunch of ideas and stuff, but I'm kind of just nervous about, you know, how can I survive with, while my business is taking off? So what kind of advice would you give to uh, an entrepreneur like myself who's a, who's a little timid to take that leap? Yeah, you know, it is scary, but I will tell you that um, the best advice I could give you is make sure whatever it is you think you want to start or create or go to market with, that you in your mind will be okay if you don't make any money for a couple of years. Now, that's a that's a mindset trick. It doesn't mean plan to not make money for two years, but you have to say to yourself when you go into a, a, a venture, that I'm not going to be successful right out of the gate. Um, I, it sounds great to say that you should have two or three months worth of income set aside and all that, but that's just not reality. I never had that when I started. What I did was I believed that I could make a difference in what I was doing. And so let me give you the first op, the first example. So when I had the, the, the sportswear thing, that was obviously when I was in college, I had another full-time job. But when I left college and I decided that the financial service world was not my gig, and I went into the mortgage industry. Um, I was in a, a little bit of a bad time in my life. My my son's mom and I, we split in 1998. I had two sons. One at that time, they were either eight and two or nine and three. I can't remember the dynamics. They both are out of school now. They, uh, they've moved out. Of, uh, you know, they're into college now. But, mm-hmm. but, but I, was, I was in a bad place emotionally. And so it reflected in my job in the financial service world. So when I made the transition, because I realized it wasn't my gig, when I decided to go in the mortgage industry, I literally didn't have a place to stay. I actually called my grandmother and I had been living in Texas for a year. I came back to Vegas and I asked her, could I sleep on her couch? Because I had no money and I, I was really broke. But I, when I made the transition in the mortgage industry, my mind was made up that that was going to be my career. It wasn't optional. It wasn't like I was going to stick my toe in the water. And, uh, you know, I had some bills. So, I, you know, I didn't have rent, but I had some other bills, child support and some other things like that. So I set some goals and I got to work. And so I think that the best advice I can give is be so sure about your discipline. You've got to be dedicated to the discipline of doing the hard stuff. And for me back then, that was it didn't matter that I was sleeping on the couch. That didn't matter at all. What mattered was, was I willing to do what I had to do? to get to the office at eight o'clock in the morning. At that time, I was an independent contractor. So technically you're self-employed. They just pay you whenever you close business. 
I had to be disciplined to get to the office day in and day out and get on the phone and cold call and start building relationships and start building my business. And I remember the very, I don't know, couple months in, I built up a pretty decent pipeline. And I remember this is probably month three into the mortgage industry. I had 12 loans in the pipeline. I had 12 clients, 12 loans in the pipeline. And man, all but three of them fell out of escrow. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, I was deflated. And so, you know, when you step back from that, you got to think, you know, question is, why did that happen? So I had to learn from it and and big, you know, pick up and rebuild. But I think the biggest thing that a lot of entrepreneurs, uh, they question themselves because of the unknown. But I think the unknown in my world is my friend. Like I, I say this to people all the time. My girlfriend is a great example. We've been together now six years and she's an executive at a, at a company and I'm an entrepreneur and she will sit, we'll sit in, in the room and we'll be joking around and talking. And she'll say, I don't know how you can, can do it. Not knowing how much money your company is going to make this month or not knowing how much money you're going to get paid. And I'll say back to her, I don't know how you can do it knowing how much you're going to get paid. You know I mean? It's just a, it's just a mindset, right? <laughs> yeah, um, sure. But you got to just decide to do it. And I think that the reason why a lot of entrepreneurs get stuck in the quandary zone is they just haven't believed enough in themselves. And I think someone, someone asked me one time on a meeting or a conference or I was speaking somewhere and they said, if you could go back and tell your 20 year old self something, what would it be? And I would, and this is what I would say to me if I was 20. And so I would say to you or your audience, if they're in that neighborhood of 20, or if they're still wavering about whether they can or can't do it. And that is believe in yourself sooner, believe in yourself sooner. The worst thing that'll happen if it doesn't work out is it won't work out. (laughs) You know, I mean, you know, I would say, you know, like you're not likely to die if your venture doesn't pop off. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's it's okay. And chances are your skill set will get you a job if it doesn't work out. So go for it. You know, and, and I wasn't as confident about that until I got to about 29 or 30 to go all in, right? But if I was 20, I would have went all in. If I was that guy today, I would have went all in. And that just means believe in yourself. And and I I think there's a second piece of that. Seek out mentors. Seek out mentors who've done it. And not to necessarily copy them, but to sort of avoid some of the mistakes that are that are just going to happen. And the reality is some, you know, mentorship is so uh, it's key today. One of the reasons I'm successful today is I still pay for coaching and mentorship and masterminds. You know, I pay no less than ten thousand dollars a year to be in masterminds. And I've done that since I was like twenty nine or thirty. And you know, one year I was paying $15,000 a year just to be in a, a private coaching program. And the reason I was in that was so that I could have accountability and I could learn from some of the best of the best. And I think that's another one of those things that an entrepreneur gets stuck in when they're sitting behind their own computer or they're sitting at home, or maybe their family doesn't support it because they're not understanding it. Or maybe the friends are saying, Hey, I'm going out on Friday or Saturday, you coming. And you're like, man, no, I'm not coming. But then you feel bad. No, no, don't feel bad. It doesn't mean what they're doing is bad. Like if they want to go out and hang out, that's cool. Cause that was me on the weekends. I was hustling on the weekends. I was working. I didn't go to parties and all that stuff. Not as many, not, to, not as much as a lot of my friends did. And I'm not, this doesn't make me better or worse than them. And it doesn't make them bad for doing what they did. We just had different paths. Right. And so believe, believe in yourself sooner. And if it doesn't work out, it just isn't going to work out, but you have to be the one to put the discipline in. That's what I, that's what I typically say. Whew, yeah. That's the gospel right there, man. The gospel. Look, oh, man. Man. Let, let me tell you about my company. If I can just segue one half second. 
when, when we started Yoko Local, my partner and I, we were living, it, we, we, we were working out of our houses. We had a business office, but it was more of an executive suite. We didn't really want to rent the space because we didn't have any money. We started the company, both coming out of the recession. He worked for a home building industry. So we just decided to do it. When we decided to do it, it wasn't optional. Like in our mind, we were quitting. He left a 300,000, he was, excuse me. He turned down a $300,000 offer to go into a different direction in the mortgage industry. I turned away six figures plus, And we said, if we don't make $25,000 a year for three years, it's okay. Because we know we're starting a business and we have no idea what we're getting into. So I guess one, one other little piece of, of, of advice would be to live as lean as you possibly can when you're starting a venture. Be as lean as possible. Mm-hmm. Cut your debt. Stay at home with mom and dad if they're afforded. Just clean the house and do some chores. So, you know what I mean? You got to be, don't be living for free because I got a couple of them jokers want to stay around my house for free. And, <laughs> and I love them most of the time, but they don't want to do no damn work sometimes. But you know what I mean? But if yeah, you can yeah. stay at home, stay at home. But, but, but contribute, you know, contribute to your family's house. But do what you can to stay lean and get your, and so you don't have all those pressures of credit card bills and car notes and all this other stuff. Do as lean as you can. When me and my partner Stormy came into this company, we both walked away from big deals. We didn't, or big, you know, decent, decent income, and we lived on. I think our first year we made twenty thousand. The second year we made twenty five, maybe thirty. But but we were okay leaving that money in the business. It wasn't that we couldn't take more income, but we kept reinvesting in people. We kept reinvesting in tools and systems because we wanted to go for the delayed gratification, and that's. One of those things entrepreneurs have to be okay with is living below their means and delaying that gratification, even when maybe some of the money could be there on the front end. So if, if it helps, that's that, that's the thing I think that holds a lot of entrepreneurs back. Ooh, yeah, the bell. I definitely I definitely agree with that. And man, you just you, you definitely gave our, us and our listeners a wealth of knowledge to pull from. I know you're running running pretty slim on time, so. Um, you know, we wanted to make sure, you know, you got, you got your information out there where the fans can, uh, where the fans can reach you at. So if you can just, you know, give an idea what websites or what uh, social medias that you can be reached Mm -hmm. at, that'd be great. I appreciate it. You know, right now I'm spending a lot of time on Twitter. Uh, so my handle is Daryl underscore Evans, uh, D A R R E L L underscore Evans, E V A N S. Uh, I am launching my own personal website here pretty soon at DarylEvans.net. Um, and if you want to check out my main company, uh, the digital marketing agency, you can go to yokellocal.com. So I really appreciate it. And I'm happy to connect with any of your audience, answer any questions, and uh, help out any way I can. I love what you guys are doing. I love, I love young entrepreneurs. I love hustlers who are, are trying to make a difference. And uh, you guys definitely uh, impressed me with your show your energy. And uh, like I said, I've already checked out a number of your shows and, and I've already recommended that uh, some of my following follows your show. Oh, thank we you. We appreciate thank that because it's, it's yeah. tough out here trying to build this listener base. But yeah, you know, I, I just uh, I tweeted you out a little earlier today. And, and I again, I, I think there are you guys are really diving into um, a, a great conversation with some of the people. And there there's a a lot of people know the big names on, on, on the circuit of the marketing and entrepreneurial circuit. So I think what you guys are doing is you're bringing up a lot of names that, that people wouldn't otherwise necessarily get exposed to. So I think you're doing a great job. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. But Mr. Evans, just one more piece of your time. Want to end a note on something powerful, just like the sermon you've given us today. If you could, when it's all said and done, Mr. Daryl Evans, 
what are you going to be known for? What am I going to be known for? Let's see. That's an interesting one. So if I, if I disappeared today, what would I want to be known for? You know, I think at the end of the day, I want to be known for, for being a guy who just cared a lot about people. I kept it real. I, uh, celebrated, um, I celebrated people's accomplishments. I, I really have a passion for helping people. I, I know that sounds sort of cliche and, and maybe esoteric, but I get a lot of joy out of seeing people win, uh, that, whether that's my kids, whether it was when I was coaching sports, um, heck, even back to my very first job when I was working at Taco Bell, when I was a, a general manager for Taco Bell, I just love seeing people be happy about what they're doing. So my, my work is all about uh, passion, inspiration, motivation, and seeing people uh, kind of move the direction that they want to go in life. So I think at my, at my funeral, I want everybody to have a party and say, man, that guy really, he had a big heart and he cared about people. And, you know, I don't have a lot of, you know, lofty. I don't want people to say, hey, he was on the Forbes billionaire list. That's not really one of my goals. I want to live a great life and impact a lot of people along the way. And if they say, hey, he, he made my life a little better than what it was before I met him, then I'm, I'm good with that. All right. Well, we Perfect, appreciate man. it. Cool, guys, man. I appreciate you guys having me on the show again. I really appreciate the work you're doing. And, and a lot of it, a lot more of it needs to happen, man, because I've listened to some of your shows and your guests are, are awesome. So I'm, I'm just glad you included me in, in that list. <laughs> Definitely. We appreciate no your time as well. So thank you. You got it. <laughs> There you have it, Mr. Daryl Evans, dropping knowledge for the educated hustle community. Emilio, man, what you think? Shoot, man, that was that was that was that was the gospel right there. That was a lot of a uh, knowledge. I think it's definitely a different tone than our our, our, our um, interviews we've been having a couple of weeks now because this one's a little bit more got the old got the older swag with this one. You know, kind of like been there, done that, seen it can navigate through it so i mean it's always confident when you have a guest that kind of has the talk to talk to match the walk to walk so i enjoyed it me too man it's it kind of like i felt like i was i was learning from a sensei bro like i felt like mm-hmm. i was sitting in the corner you know getting my you know i was doing what i was doing my sensei was like yo i like what you're doing but there's 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 still some time to learn some new techniques Mm-hmm. He was uh he was the Mr. Miyagi wax on wax off <laughs> wax on wax off. <laughs> oh man! But you know, I'm sure Sensei would approve. We get into the favorite part of the podcast for everyone out there. How you can reach us? Oh man! Let's get it started with. We're on Twitter at educated underscore hustle. That's educated underscore hustle. You can follow us on Instagram at educated hustle podcast. That is Educated Hustle Podcast. We are also on Facebook. Please join, like our Facebook page. We're just known as Educated Hustle. You'll know us by the logo, Educated Hustle, once again. And last, but actually, no, not last. Got to plug this one out. Snapchat, Educated Hustle. All one word. Educated Hustle. On there, we do a little background, sermons, and encouragement, motivational things from Paul himself. And sometimes I jump on there and do my best to, you know, follow up whatever greatness he puts out. <laughs> and last but not least, if you want to contact us, let us know how we're doing, how we make you feel, advice, suggestions, anything. 
please don't go in our DMs, but go to educatedhustlepodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Once again, that is educatedhustlepodcast at gmail.com. <sighs> I know that's always a mouthful, bro. Mm-hmm. It has to be done. Has to be done. Yeah. I just had to, you know, had to ask you, like I always ask you, man, what what else you got for the people? Oh man, we are on episode in our in our count, it'll be episode seven or eight. Man, man lost track. That's how you know we're doing it though. It, it's seven, but then it's eight because technically the intro don't count. So Yeah. Okay, so we're we're up there. We're we're man. <laughs> Listen, we, we we already got a start in five. So <laughs> trying to make the bench. But uh we said I say that to say this, like, you know, when we started this, we had no idea how much fun, how involving it would be to really get on there and make something and we cherish every minute of it. We love learning. We love trying to go out there and promote and really going out there and giving people our show because i think that honestly we had the best podcast out that's not even bragging or anything i just feel like if you put us up content wise learning wise motivational encouragement all those good metrics we stand there we, we i think we stand with the best we do. but you know that's just me because i wouldn't do anything if i don't think i was doing it the best but i come back to bring it all back to this don't let yourself stand in your way Daryl Evans said, believe in yourself sooner. We believed in ourselves and we're producing results. So for people out there, believe in yourself and get it done. Don't have questions. Don't have doubts. Just do it. And I gotta bring it back. Continue to streak. Hashtag, Hashtag no excuses. <laughs> As always, folks, stay educated and keep hustling.